One, two. Okay, good morning, everybody. No, you know what? You can keep talking. I'm going to be very generous this morning, but you need to keep it on, on task. So on, um, on the screen, there's going to be a question. I'd like you to, with the two or three people you're chatting with already, continue to talk around this question, okay? Hopefully my screen will come in more. There you go. So the question is, if I say the word submission, what comes to mind for you? So talk with the two or three people around you. Literally got like one minute. When I say the word submission, what comes to mind? Go. Make sure everyone's talking to somebody. Okay, I'm going to draw them to a close. I know you enjoyed that. Um, does anybody want to offer an answer? Maybe just shout out a couple of the things you said uh, when we were talking about submission. So anybody want to offer, offer an answer of what you talked about in your group? Wrestling. Wrestling? That's later, that's after service, Dean. Okay, yeah, not, not right now. So wrestling, yeah, so, when you, so if someone goes into submission, yeah, that's a good one. Anything else? Surrender. Surrender? Who said that? Dot, that was Dot. Okay, this group here. Zarenda, yeah, great. Anything else? Assignment. Assignments. Assignments? So, okay. <laughs> Comes to the students, of course. <laughs> Submit that on time always, of course, students. Well done. Uh, anything else? Giving in. Giving in. Yeah, great. And? Hand over. Great. Okay, fantastic. So, loads of different good things that we talk, talk about when I talk about submission there. So, um, by the way, so those who don't know, my name's Jamie. It's great to be here this morning. I'm going to be talking and sharing this morning. Um, so, submission, uh, another word maybe you could talk about when you think of submission is the word authority. Or obviously there's different contexts for the word submission. It's the word authority or masters. And they're words actually that not everybody likes, are they? When we think of our society, we think of the word submission or authority or someone being a master over somebody else. They're often words that people don't like, particularly when we think about like millennials and, and Gen Zers. Um, often when we think about leaders, quite cynical about leaders and don't like authority, don't like authority as a as a kind of general rule. And obviously at the minute in the UK, we're in an interesting time, aren't we? When we think about leadership, when we think about political leadership, um, we've seen so much going on in the, like, the past few months. I don't quite know where I'm coming or going with it. I don't quite know what's going on a lot of the time. And a lot of stuff's been going on in terms of authority and submission in our, in our nation. Um, integrity often seems like an, 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 oft, an optional extra when it comes to people in authority, doesn't it? And it's something that when we think about submitting to people in authority, that is quite a wrestle and quite a battle. And then this for us today, I'm, I'm, you'll be pleased I'm not here to give a lecture on politics. So I've got a clue what I'm talking about anyway. Um, we're thinking about what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus today. What does that look like for us as followers of Jesus? And what impact does it have upon us? When I talk about the words submission, authority, leadership, all those kind of things. And what does the Bible, most importantly, what does the Bible say should be our standpoint in all of this? So really, and often this is the way of the Bible, isn't it? It's often very countercultural to the way that the world lives. So actually this morning, I'm going to be sharing some words from 1 Peter, which 
are very countercultural to the way that I think we live our lives in society. So I say we, I mean in society. So if you do have your Bible this morning, I'd love you to turn with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. It's continuing uh, on, uh, I know Andy's spoken last week and Phil has spoken it, uh, in it as well in 1 Peter 2, or 1 Peter at least. And I'm going to be speaking from 1 Peter 2, um, verses 13 through to 25. And if you don't have it, it will be on the screen for you. So 1 Peter 2. 13 through to 25. And it is entitled Submission to Rulers and Masters. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king or as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will, but by doing good, you should sit silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. It's to you you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherds and overseers of your souls. I'm just going to pray before we properly get into this. Jesus. Yeah, Father God, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your word that is so important and gives us instruction and, and, and teaches us how to live. I pray this morning, Father, as, as, as we kind of study and, and grapple with your word uh, together, and as I share some thoughts that you've, you've given to me this week, I really pray, Lord God, that every single person in this room will just have a, a greater understanding of who you are and of what you do and can do in our lives. So be with us, I pray this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so just a little bit of context really for this word. So obviously we just read from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. And this was, as was is uh, given in the title, was written by a guy called Peter. Um, and it was probably, scholars believe it would probably have been written from Rome um, to the Christians who were suffering at the time. It, uh, some gr- massive, crazy persecution was going on under the hands of um, the Emperor Nero. Now, throughout the Roman Empire, uh, this Emperor Nero was persecuting, torturing, killing Christians, like just left, right and centre. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was oh, not a great time, obviously. So in terms of tough times, these guys and girls had it pretty hard. They had it pretty hard in terms of tough times. And this is potentially really, when we read these words about submitting to authority, about, um, about honouring the king, all these kind of things, this means, actually, these words are probably even more compelling and even more poignant than they would be in other situations where people aren't being persecuted. 
So that's the context as to what they were living in. These believers were living in really challenging, really difficult, really tough times. We're going to be looking today, as is uh, the title today, we're looking at what I've called three S words. And three S words that Peter draws out of, um, of this passage, and I've taken from this passage, and help us to think about how we, this affects us in our lives as followers of Jesus. So those three words are submission, service, and suffering. And we're going to look at those all together, um, one at a time, as we go through. So the first one we're going to look at is the word submission. I wonder if you have ever, I'm sure of all in this situation, if you've ever had to submit to someone that you didn't really like or didn't really respect. I remember this was, I was thinking about this this week, and the one thing that came to mind was when I was in school, of course, when I was in school. I had a teacher in my school uh, called Mrs. Gemmell. Now, I remember it really, really well. I got on well with most teachers. I got on well with most adults in the school. This is my primary school that I was in. It helped that my mum was one of the teaching assistants there, so I kind of knew them uh, relatively well through my, through my mum. But my year four teacher, Mrs. Gemmell, I really, really had a problem with her. Now, I remember I was probably about eight or nine at the time. For This is from what I can remember from my eight or nine-year-old self. Um, but I remember just feeling often like she just wasn't fair. She really wasn't fair. She wasn't very nice. She had her favourites, and I was definitely not one of those few. And she just, I remember that, probably again, this is from my memory, at a young age, having a really strong sense of right or wrong, having a really strong sense of kind of justice, and I suppose, I didn't know at the time, but injustice. And I just often felt like she just wasn't very kind, wasn't very nice, and was just wouldn't um, bring justice in different situations, and struggled with that, the way that she treated me and other people. I remember talking to my parents about this, and um, talking to them about my frustrations with her, and gave me some great advice, really. From, again, this is from what I remember as an eight or nine-year-old. She was a teacher, okay? She was a teacher. Now, I didn't have to like her. She didn't have to be my best friend. But I did have to submit to her and honour her. And again, as an eight or nine-year-old, you're like, well, you don't quite get it. You don't quite understand that. But as, you've, as I've grown up, I've come to see why that's important. I'm sure there's people in your life in, whether it be in, uh, in your work or your university or your family situation or at your church. It would never happen in church, would it? Of course it never happened in church. In the government or other areas where actually there's people who you have to submit to, but it's not easy to do so. It's not easy to submit to their authority, whether it's because of a character flaw you see in them or something that you just don't like about their, their personality. In the verses that we read previously, in 1 Peter um, 2, verses 13 and 14, again on the screen, we read, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted by men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So what does that mean for us as far as Jesus today in 2022? What does that mean for us today and in our lives? How are we really meant to submit to authority, to rulers, to people who often we just think are making a real hash of, of things? And actually, there's one thing I think we need to caveat before I do kind of um, tackle this any further. I do believe we, sh- we are never, ever called to compromise the words and the call of the gospel. We're never called to call that. And under every authority, our ultimate authority is that of, of, of King Jesus, isn't it? 
but we're never called to do that. However, we are called to be people of... Um, let me, okay, let me go on to the next verse, actually. Again, another one that backs this up. Romans 13, verse 1 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authority, authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that have exist have been established by God. As with most verses in the Bible, okay, people interpret them in different ways, don't they? People have different views, different viewpoints on, um, on what these mean. And this is one of those, I think, that, well, when I was doing a bit of research again, that people would say there would be three different potential interpretations for this verse and for the verses about authority. So the first one is, some Christians would believe that the state is so corrupt <laughs> that we should have little to do, to do with it. This would mean that they wouldn't um, vote, they wouldn't work for government, they wouldn't vote in elections, and they wouldn't serve in armed forces. Just believe you just completely remove yourself from anything to do with the state. Others, the next viewpoint, believe that God has given the state authority in some areas and the church authority in others. So Christians can be loyal to both and work for either. However, in this view, it's important to... Um, to not confuse the two roles that they can play, they can and should play in our lives. The church and the state play different roles. And then finally, still others believe there is the a responsibility as Christians to make the state better. Politically, that can be done by voting for what we would be believe would be the best, the, the good and the most principal leaders that we see. And actually, morally, trying to make a difference in society trying to do our part to play a difference in society. And in this view, the hope would be that the church and the state would work hand in hand. Why? For the good of all and for the good of society that we live in. It's important to know that in any of those three views, okay, even though they may be contrasting, they may have different interpretations of that verse, none of them are saying, let's start a rebellion against the government. None of them are saying, let's start an uprising. None of them are saying, let's um, go against the state. Or like completely rebel against the state. And I'm sure that it's a conviction certainly of mine and hopefully of all of us here today. Is that we want to live as God calls us and live as good citizens, don't we? Live as good members of our society and make a difference in the society around us. Submission, I believe, submission to authority helps us to do that well. And it helps us to model that well. Again, as I was saying before, submission isn't always something that's easy and often actually isn't something that's celebrated. Um, But submission is something that I think we are called to do based on the verses that we've read in in, in 1 Peter. And I suppose the question I'm going to leave with you to think about and ponder in your own thoughts and own heart is how can we submit well? How can we submit well? So whatever that authority uh, may be in that moment. Okay, so that's the first, first S is submit. The second S is service. Now, the next thing that we're called to do from that, that verse in 1 Peter 2 is, uh, is, is that word service. So in verse 16 of our text, uh, it says, very simply, it says, live as servants of God. Live as servants of God. So again, how do we do that well? How do we do that well? How do we serve um, God well, and how do we live as servants of God today in our society, in our life? How can we evident our, ev- show evidence of our faith through the way in which we serve others? 
again, if you, I'm going to be uh, coming back to the text. So in, in 1 Peter 2 verse, um, verse 16, I'm going to suggest four ways that we can do that. Again, that comes straight out of the text, uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 16, uh, 17. Sorry. First one is, that came in there, is that we should be honouring all people. We should be honouring all all people. Now, if you read, the, if ever you read the Bible, I recommend it. It's a good book. Okay, um, there is honor is a, a real strong value across the Bible. Something we're called to do in honor in so many different ways. Uh, Romans twelve verse uh, ten says, "Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor means to demonstrate high respect." Or great esteem for somebody. It means that we love people, we show care for people, and that we, again, honour people above ourselves. The Ten Commandments, we are called to honour our parents. Um, again, in Scripture, we're taught, taught in Levit- Leviticus to um, honour the elderly, in 1 Timothy to honour our church leaders, and in, in the Psalms, it tells us that we should be honouring God. We honour people so, yeah, we honour people, we serve people by putting them before us, by showing them love, showing them value and showing them care. And that's all the people in this room, that's all the people that we come in contact with. Next one, again this is, for, uh, this is said in, in, in verse 17, is that we should love the brotherhood. Or in a, maybe a, a, a more simple way we could put it today, is that we should be love the church. Should we love the, the church, the people that are in the, the church? When we show love to our brother or our sister in Jesus, we are serving God and fulfilling his purposes for the church. So I'm just going to read a few verses that will just, again, back this up and that I think are helpful for this. So Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. John 15, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, than someone who lay down his life for his friends. Proverbs 18:24 A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Philippians 2 verse 2 Complete my joy by being this, of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and being of one mind. Serve each other by loving each other. <laughs> It's a fairly simple message, but we serve each other by loving one another, by showing love and care and compassion to one another, by loving. And you know what? It's, it's, it's something that I think is such an important thing, but people outside the church look at how people inside the church serve, love, care for one another, don't they? It's something that stands out. Often people have said, like, if they've been into a church situation, they've been around people who have followed Jesus, like, you know, you guys just love each other and serve each other so well. And don't we want that to be true of this church, of any church, of any connect group, of any Christian community we're in, that we love each other, that we serve each other well. And that's something that's a witness to other people as a result. Okay, next one is uh, that we should fear God. Fear God. I wonder what you are afraid of. I wonder what you're afraid of. There's different people who have, some have what they would maybe call more rational fears. I, I mean, I don't get spiders personally. They're, they're tiny, you just stand on them and they're gone. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> some have more rational fears that maybe people would say spiders are one of them. You know, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, but it could be a whole array of different things. The, the fear of failure, uh, the fear of death, the fear of spiders, of heights, of flying, 
Or for me, and I may have shared this before, but my fear, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, but my fear is dentophobia. Okay, so you can work that out in your own time. <laughs> however, how if, how, what happens if I was to tell you that we are called to fear God? Now, not be afraid of, however, but to fear God. One of our primary responsibilities of followers of Jesus is to fear God, is to revere him. This isn't the same as fearing God or being scared or worried about what he could do to us. This is more of a fear based on a kind of um, out of reverence and respect for who God the Father is, for who he does and what he does in our life. Psalm 147 verses 10 and 11 says, His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him in those whose hope is in his steadfast love. And to fear him means really that we stand in awe of who he is and what he does in our life. Again, Psalm 33 verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. To fear God is to stand in awe of his majesty, his power, his wisdom, his justice and his mercy of all that he does and all he is in our life. Again, it's not that we're scared of him. We've been talking a little bit, um, obviously Halloween's uh, kind of tomorrow, isn't it? And we're talking particularly with, that, with Jude, our eldest son, about, about, um, about Halloween and, and how often it, it, it creates a culture of fear. And we're not called to fear, are we? We're called to, uh, we believe that Jesus overcame and, and overcomes the dark. There's all that kind of stuff that we talk to our children about. And it's the same for us, isn't it? same for us that we aren't called to fear God, we're called to uh, or be sorry, not because we're scared of God, but we're called to kind of stand in awe of his reverence and of his majesty and his power and what he can and does do in our lives. It's to humble ourselves before him. It's to adore him. We serve God by appropriately fearing him. The people of this world don't acknowledge, people of this world don't acknowledge God. They don't fear him. There's no fear for those who don't know him. And we are called to serve in all that we do, including that kind of fearing of him. Okay, and last one out of this one is that we are called to honour the king. I was saying to Deb this morning, this passage is really good now, because a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, I had to change the queen, but now we've got a king in place, so uh, it's all good, isn't it? <laughs> but we are called, and Peter tells us in it, that we have, um, we're called to honour authorities, including the king. Now again, this contextually, we're talking about a time where the, 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 the believers that he was talking to, their king was Emperor Nero. This guy who was killing them all, who was persecuting them, who was going after them. And Peter is telling the believers to honour the king. Honour the king. Now as far as with Jesus, I believe it's our responsibility to honour the king. I've been thinking this week actually about our new prime minister, Man, what a job he's got, eh? <laughs> but he needs our prayers, doesn't he? He needs our prayers as he tries to govern the country that we're in. Now, there's a difference between, and I've had to get my head around this as I've been researching a bit, but respecting somebody and treating some of respect are two different things, okay? It's our responsibility, and honouring people, honouring the king, honouring the, the, the government, that is our responsibility and we should be doing that, I think, as citizens and particularly as followers of Jesus. Earning our respect is their responsibility. So they're two different things. Treating some respect and earning respect are two different things. 
And sometimes it's easy, isn't it? I've done it often where I read the Bible. I'm like, I don't like that bit. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that bit. That's not, I'm not sure. I'll go into the bit I do like and I'll, I'll follow that bit. But actually, we are called in the Bible to honour authorities and honour the king. And there's no way of getting around that. Like I said, I think in our context, that includes the government, that includes um, our prime minister, that includes our MPs, all the people that make decisions in our lives, on our day-to-day life. We are called to honour them. Again, respecting somebody and honouring somebody is different. But we are called to honour them and to show honour and love to them. Really simple as the words the Bible says. I'm just, I just want to keep it to what the Bible I'm not here for a political discussion, like I said. I'm here to teach the Bible, which says we need to honour the King. So how do we serve God today? How do we live as servants of God? As said in 2 Peter 17, 1 Peter 2.17, show proper respect for everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the King. Okay, that's our second S. Our second S. So you're pleased to know we're almost uh, almost there. Our final S. Our final S is the word. I'm sure you're all re- really looking forward to hearing about this this morning, church. Is suffering. Okay. So if I was to say to the, uh, the phrase or the words to you, um, long suffering, long suffering, I wonder what you would associate that with. Some of you may have heard the, the phrase when somebody, it would be called a long suffering wife. Um, <laughs> Basically, uh, again, according to my research, that would be a wife, of course, because my wife isn't that. I did ask her, but she was like, no, Jamie, no, never. That's not you at all. <laughs> well, a wife, has, a wife has, for long periods of time, patiently endured her husband um, without ever, um, for long time, without complaining. Now, do you know what? I, I was really intrigued to see. There's no such thing as a long-suffering husband. So wives, I'm very sorry for us. On my on our behalf. <laughs> now I am I am myself a self-confessed long sufferer. Okay, nothing to do with my wife this time. Nothing to do with my wife. <laughs> For just under thirty years or so now, I've been long suffering and in this thing and trying to remain hopeful in the situation. And I I rarely never complain uh, in these in these in these uh, often hopeless situations from time to time. I see glimmers of hope. I see times where it feels like things are getting better. But they're often taken away from me very, very quickly. And often it ends in tears and distress. I know. Does anybody know what my long suffering is? It is, but how do you know that? Some prophetic gift you guys have. It is my following of Birmingham City Football Club. I know, I know, I know. See, it is. You feel my pain, don't you? Almost 30 long years. And do you know what I decided to do? I decided that I wanted to share this pain. So on Friday night, Jude and I went to Jude's first game. And now he's also, it's the start of his long-suffering journey. (laughs) Our final yesterday is that word of suffering. And 1 Peter 2 verses 20 and 21 says... But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When I think about anybody, whether it be um, people in this country or other countries, suffering for their faith, 
often feels unfair. I don't know why that should be. I don't know why that's the case. But actually, when I've done a little bit of reading around this, any kind of um, movement that's happened, any kind of revival that's happened, any kind of thing that's happened across the world normally starts from a place of suffering, from a place of persecution, from a place where the believers are having a hard time. Now I'm going to speak, I'll see this myself, and speak, I'm going to speak really candidly this morning, really openly. I've been a follower of Jesus for almost 20 years now. And I've been also kind of working in, in full-time ministry for about 12, 12 or so years now. And I was thinking about how many times can I think I have suffered for my faith? I thought back, and I thought back, and honestly for me, I can never ever recall suffering for my faith. Now, I know suffering is one of those words that's open to interpretation. I know there's different things about what people may say as suffering. But for me, what's the worst I've ever had in my own faith? People not really understanding what my view was. People being, being rude to me or being a bit obnoxious towards me or taking the mick out of me a little bit. Or sometimes just feeling a little bit left out from my friends or society because of things that couldn't go on. But that's been the extent of my suffering. In that, I know people are going to have different stories, but that's been the extent of my suffering. I've never really suffered for my faith in God. Now either, there's one or two things, either I'm, doing some, I'm not doing something right, which may well be the case, I'm very happy to admit that this morning, or we live generally in a nation where this doesn't happen very often. We're not in a, in a place of persecution often in our, our nation. Research, research suggests that 6%, 6% of Britain would identify as practising Christians. So about 42% were kind of Christians, like nominal Christians or, or would identify as Christians. But 6%, a first 6% said they would identify as practising Christians. And some actually would argue that's even lower. Some would argue that's even lower. Maybe it's time the church in the UK... Follow Jesus' example and get a little bit uncomfortable in what we're doing. Get a little bit uncomfortable in our, our faith. There's different reasons why people may, individuals may suffer um, as followers of Jesus. Different things that may happen. One is that sometimes it's actually the direct result of our own brokenness, our, of our own fallenness and our own sin. We suffer because we are, uh, we've fallen away from God or, or whatever that may be. But it's a result of, of what we've done. Some is a result of just... Um, of maybe bad decisions we've made, of things that, again, sometimes we suffer because we, make, we do bad things. We do things that are, are wrong and we just we walk away from it and, and make situations worse for ourselves. Sometimes it's just the result of living in a broken world. We live in a world that's broken, there's a lot of stuff going on, and that often um, can be, can be the, um, why it happens. But here, in this text here, Peter is talking about suffering as a result of doing good. Suffering as a result of doing good. And, and actually, um, we think about and we remember Jesus in this situation, don't we? Jesus, who was without sin, who suffered the same temptations that we did and went through the same stuff that we did, and yet never sinned. But he suffered beyond most people's comprehension. Why? Why did Jesus suffer in that way? Well, we know it, don't we? So that we could be set free. We can be set free from the things that we do in our lives and, and, and yeah, the way that we live our lives out. Following the example of Jesus and trying to serve others 
may well mean that we suffer in our lives, in our faith, in our situations. Our goal as far as Jesus today should be that we face any suffering that comes our way as Jesus did. How do you do it? With patience, with calmness and confidence that God is in control of the future. That's what I love about Jesus. Even though, you know, he, there's so many times where he could have escaped um, the cross. He could have walked away. He could have um, said, no, I don't want this. He could have got out of that situation. He knew he had to go through that. Because, and ultimately, he knew that God was in control, didn't he? He trusted his, his father. And I would like to think that I'd hope the thing that any time that I would get in a situation where I, I feel real suffering, actually, I trust in God. I trust in God in the, in the stuff in our lives. And for us as a, as a church, that we trust in God in our, in, our, in our church life, in your own individual lives, in your families. We trust in God if ever we, we face these, these situations. Um, Mark 8, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says these words. These words we often say, but I just wanted to really think about this this morning. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life for me and for the gospel will save it. Peter had spent some time with Jesus while he was here, here on earth. And he learned about suffering from Jesus. He knew that he knew that suffering, he knew that the suffering that Jesus had to endure was part of God's plan for him and was intended to save uh, to save us. That's what he was there for. And as per the verse we just read in Mark 8, Peter also knew those who follow Jesus must be prepared to suffer. Okay. So uh, yeah, I get this message is not an easy one. And often we it's not something that we like to talk about, but we have to sometimes face these realities, don't we? That as followers of Jesus, as what I read this week, where we're, I don't like this, I've never been called this before, as resident aliens on this planet, that's what we're, some people call us, that things may look different for us. But the thing that I love and the thing that always comes back to in the Bible is that we have a hope, don't we, beyond this world. But this, if this is the only thing we see, then yeah, it's, it's, it's not great, is it? But our hope is beyond this world. Our hope is beyond all the sin and the suffering and the stuff that goes on in this world. I'm going to invite the band back up if we can as I, as I come into a close. So, the three S words that we talk, I've talked about this morning. Three things that I want to just kind of get us to think about that I believe in this passage in 1 Peter 2 has just stood out and been something that's been really, really important. Submission. The first was Submission. We are called to submit to people, um, to leaders in authority over us, to government, the king and the laws of our land. Service. In our service, we honour all people, we love the brotherhood, we fear God and we honour the king. And finally, suffering. We shouldn't be surprised if we suffer for the gospel. If we are trying to live like Jesus did, we should maybe even expect it. Okay, I'd love us to stand together as as I come to a close. I'm just going to uh, take some time to pray over us all. That's okay. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to take a moment just to, in the stillness and the quietness, just to what God's saying to you through this. I, I believe he speaks. I believe he wants to speak to you as an individual this morning. And maybe what was one thing that God's just uh, kind of downloading to you right now. I just want to take a moment in, in, in the quietness just for you to take that moment with God.
Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that believes it, it sharpens us, it challenges us, it gives us life. But this morning, I pray for the things that we've, we've, we've heard about from, from um, 1 Peter 2. I pray, Lord God, that we will be a people who, who, who submit to authority. That people, that, that even if the people that we struggle with, that we, um, we, 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 we find challenging, that we submit to them and submit to them well. Whatever that may look like in our lives and our circumstances, our workplaces and families, that we'll submit to those people. I pray we'll be a people of service. People who serve one another really well, who serve our, our family well, who serve our communities well, who serve our church well, who serve people who we come into contact with on a day-to-day basis really, really well. I pray, Lord God, that Jesus, <laughs> I pray, Father God, we will be a people who will embrace suffering. Father God, we will embrace even, and that suffering for doing good particularly, that even though it may feel really tough, even though it may feel really unfair sometimes, Lord God, that we remember and we'll take heart from the fact that Jesus, you had the same. Man without sin, perfect in, in, in your, in your um, stature and who you were. And yet you suffered for us. So I pray we'll take comfort in that. For every individual in here, I pray, Lord God, that your word will just go forth in their lives. And as we leave here and go into our weeks, into our workplaces, into our communities, into our families, into the stuff we're going to be doing out throughout the week, we'll just really take heart from these words as we, as we step into this, and um, step into, into what you have for us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys.